talking about heart and soul, and um, this is week three of that, and uh, I know my son did a great job, Pastor Nick did a great job last week, um, thank you, he's a great blessing to the house, and, um, but then my wife and I opened up the very first session and kind of told you the story, so in 1999, just real quick, in 1999 is when we started the church, Faith Builders, and we started at a little bitty, um, uh, it was uh, Howard Johnson's room, a little banquet room they, that they had that held maybe 50 people, something like that, 45 people. And so we rented that because we could afford that. That was on Layton Avenue. Then we went from there to Deer Creek Elementary School. We landed there for about almost three years and went from that place and we moved over here. So across the, um, the, um, the parking lot was the Wyndham Hotel. And we were there for about eight months until while we were getting prepared to purchase this building, and then we moved in here. Then that was phase one, and you're sitting in phase two. Phase three is another property. Hallelujah. We'll have that one day too. Amen. But right now we're in phase two, and we're going to make it work. And we're so grateful for what God has given us. So obviously that's a lot that's happened in uh, an over 18-year period, but it's been an incredible thing that God's done for us. So the Lord called uh, Pastor Robin and myself to come here to uh, build a church. Now, when I say build a church, he did not have in mind building a building. Matter of fact, we didn't build this building, we remodeled it, but that's not the church. Matter of fact, even this morning I looked up just so I could just say I looked it up. And when you look up the church, it actually says a building to where Christians congregate. But that's not the, I'll talk about it in a moment, but that's not really what it says in the scriptures of what the church is. The church is much, it's organic because it happens to be you and me. So in building the church, he sent us here to build his people, to get people saved and born again, or those that already know him coming together, together, called the church, coming together, and then building them up. Building them up how? In faith. Hence, that's where we got the word faith builders. That's what God gave me, the name faith builders to build people's faith and then we came up with this um our mission statement which says this we're here to reach the unreached our church is to build the church and to revitalize the city now we've endeavored to do all of those things now in my mind and in my spirit what i see we haven't but scratched the surface of what we want to do but we have done those things. Have we not reached the unreached people that other people weren't reaching and reached out and, 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 and told them about Christ or introduced them to something that we're doing here at the church and brought them here? Um, we uh, endeavored to build the church. That's what we've done from day one, building the church, building you up in your faith, building you up in knowledge in Jesus, building you up to know the word of God and who you are in Christ and so on and so forth. And then uh, the last part was to revitalize the city. And we've endeavored to do that through our programs that we do, our faith build, our faith builders community teams that we do once a month. Um, many of you are here a part of this church because that was your number one draw. I, I might be an okay preacher to you, but the reality was you were drawn to that ministry, so that's why you're a part of that ministry. And, and then our we did serve your city, and then uh, we do uh, do service evening. We do Christmas in Milwaukee, and so on. So we've done those things because that's a part of the revitalization of the community or the city. Because we don't believe we're a church just for us. We believe we're beyond the four walls of this church. So we go where you live and where you don't live, but we go to the areas that. People need to be reached. People need to be fed. People need to be clothed. And we've done that consistently. We've done it through many different aspects. We've done it through our productions. Um, we're probably most known 
in the city because of our productions. But we've also done it through preaching and teaching, week in and week out. We've done it through hosting conferences. Many of you don't know this, but we used to host big conferences. We even had pastors' conferences. We had big name um, uh, television uh, ministers come in here and. Um, and fill it up with people we didn't even know, praise God. I mean, they came from everywhere, and we did that to, to be a blessing to build people's faith, to encourage people where they're at. You probably don't remember any of that at all. Um, and then also we were on, how many remember us being on television? Raise your hand if you remember if we were on television for a while. All right, some of you remember, but most of you didn't even know. We were on television for years. We were on two different stations here. I was on uh, four stations back on uh, south of us, and uh, we were on twice a day in a couple of those stations, once in the morning, once in the night, every single day. We had a full crew and staff to do all that. How many knows that gets expensive? Hallelujah. You say, why aren't you on television right now? It got expensive. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we came from that side to this side. And because the, the costless facility, we made a decision that we're not going to do television right now. We're going to put that on hold for, for the time being because we wanted to do this so we could grow as a church and not be stuck on one side of the building. And, and we thought that was a great decision. To this day, we believe that was. I had a pastor just recently say, ma'am, he said, uh, we met for a little coffee, and he's like, man, he said, uh, I've been following your ministry for years. I said, oh, you have? He goes, oh, man, I watch you every day on TV. I said, did you ever give an offering? He said, no. I said, figures. Praise God, figures. <laughs> it got expensive, y'all. It got expensive. So we're not on TV currently, but Feeding the Hungry. All the programs we've done is to do exactly what God's called us and the mission that God has given us. That includes you as well as me. I want us to look at 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's kind of where we got this whole slogan and idea in verse 6. It says, Jonathan said to his younger armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Stop right there and just look at me for a moment. What he's talking about is these Philistines that were far off, they were viewing them. So you got, you got Jonathan, who is Saul, King Saul's son, and you got his armor bearer, okay? His assistant. And they're spying out the enemy's camp to see what's up. And Jonathan, for some reason, got this thing in him, like, I think we can whip them all. I think we can take them all. Two guys versus maybe a thousand plus men that are fully loaded, ready for battle. And he's starting to think, I think, I think this could happen tonight. I think we might have to do this. Now think about that, the kind of faith it would take to do something like that. He said, let us go over there, these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Listen to this. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Church, if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on. By many or by few. Do all that is in your mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. In other words, I may not understand why you want to do this. I may not have the same courage right now that you have, but I believe in you enough on two different levels, heart and soul, that I'll go with you because obviously God's put that inside of your heart. And God, church, God wants heart and soul from all of us. He wants both our heart and he wants our soul. To him, to each other, to the vision, to the mission God has given us here in Milwaukee, heart gives the connotation of this. When he says, I give you my heart, that gives the connotation of, of this. I'm with you. I believe in you. I've got your back no matter what. I love you. You've got my heart. I'm with you to the bitter end. Soul 
is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and it carries the connotation of this. I'm going with you in the same direction. In other words, we have the same uh, philosophy moving in life together. Many people have the same goal. We want to preach Jesus to the world, but sometimes one person goes this way to do it, and the other person does this way to do it, and what we need is everybody be doing it in the same direction, going the same way. One of the things I've learned over pastoring all these years is I found that a lot of well-meaning Christians who do love the Lord, who feel a call of God in life, want to go this way, and then the other one wants to go that way. But in the church, God calls us together so we can have heart, I'm with you, man, I got your back, I love you, and soul. I'm going to go the same direction you're going because it's best for all of us to move together in one than in 15 different ways. Somebody say amen to that. That's called unity. And God wants unity from his people. So philosophically, the soul is saying we share the same ideas, we share the same passions, and we share the same goals. Yeah, we may disagree in a few levels, but we're smart enough to know we can agree to disagree in those things and get right past the little things. And we can all agree on the main thing. Let me tell you who you are. You are the church. This building, 4901 South Howell, thank you, Lord, that you gave it to us. Thank you that you gave us a beautiful place to worship you in. Thank you for saving it, Lord God. Thank you for calling us here. But this is not the church. This is just a building. It was a cinema before us. Come on, somebody. If we leave, the Holy Ghost leaves. You're not going to drive. If we leave somewhere else, go somewhere else to church, we should not, but I'm saying if we did, and we left somewhere, and we drove back, boy, I just feel the anointing still in that building. You wouldn't feel nothing in this building. You're crazy. There's nothing here. Why? It's bricks and mortar, man. You and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So the Spirit of God dwells in us. We are the church. Everywhere I go, come on, somebody. The Spirit goes. So I can take church. I can have church anytime I want. 24-7, at the job, at home, in my car. Matter of fact, I've had a little church in my car sometime. People think I'm crazy when they watch me, but I'm... Hey! Giving the Lord praise. Come on. How many knows that's true? People look at you like you're crazy. But you just got Fred Hammond on. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Jesus asked and said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed ones. What that means. You are positioned. I'm telling you who you are. Not your name. It's not Jesus Christ. First name Jesus, last name Christ. Christ is who he is. It's his title. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one with your anointing. I recognize the anointing on you, Jesus. You talk like us. You look like us. You're from the same town as us, but you're not the same as us. There's something different about you. You have been anointed by God. He says, you're different. And I want you to look at this, what it says in Matthew 16, 17. Jesus answered and said to him, because he's saying back to Peter. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, you got this truth, not from man's wisdom. You got this truth right from the throne of God. That's why anytime you get truth, like you may be getting right now in your mind or your spirit as it's coming into you, that's not from Jeff Pruitt. That's not flesh and blood. That's straight from the throne of God. It's like, come on, light bulbs. Come on, somebody. Going off over your head. Amen. Don't lust at my ankles. Praise God. 
revealed to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, everybody say rock. I will build my church upon the truth of what you found in me, that I am the Christ. I am the anointed one with my anointing. I will build the church on that rock, which means it's a solid foundation, immovable, unshakable, bolted down. It's going to be forever and forever. He said, I'll build my church, not the building, but the people. The people. And the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail. That tells us so much right there. Not just who we are. Not just who he is. But positionally where we're supposed to be. And I'm here to tell you. That's what you're called the church. And church is the Greek word ecclesia. And it means this. It means the called out ones strategically at the gates of the city. So back in those days, Jesus was saying, you're called the church. I'm going to build the church on this rock. Church was not a religious term back in those days. They didn't understand it to be anything to do with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the temple. Had nothing to do with that. Church was a political term in those days. And so what they would do is they'd call the church, the called out ones. They were the community members. And they would all come out. Where did they meet? At the gate of the city. Why? It was the largest place, port, where everybody could meet. And there, the government would stand up and give the report of 2017, because now they're in 2018. Be just the same thing, right? Here's how much corn came in. Here's how much barley came in. Here's how much of the harvest was. Here's how much deficit we have. Here's how much surplus we have. And would give them a report of what was going on. And here's the vision for the next year of what we see. And everybody would nod their head and say amen that they got the information. Jesus was saying, that is the natural look of what I want let you see spiritually that you are called out. And you're called out to receive your information from my Father, not flesh and blood. Every time we come together, it's not to get something from Jeff Pruitt. It's to get something from Almighty God and that revelation. I'll build my church. I'll build you up. I'll build you up so that I can positionally put you right strategically at the gate of hell so that you control. Come on. You see, yes, oh my God, I feel it pushing now. See, you see, sometimes we want church to be nice and easy, but positionally speaking, it's not about how comfortable we can be, but he wants us off the pew, off the front row, off the back row, off the middle row. He wants us out there in the community, come on somebody, at the gate of the city, holding back. At the gate of the city, we are the gatekeepers of our city that holds back and say, no devil, you can't have this one. No devil, you can't have that one. No devil. Oh, that one slipped by. Get out of hell and come back in here. That's who we are. Woo! That's the church. Not four points in a poem and good music and lights. And it oh, that smoke was really cool. That smoke was pretty cool up there today. Yeah, they sang the song I like. Last week wasn't so good, but this week was pretty good. They were all on point today. Yeah, children's ministry was really wild too. Oh, and I had a cup of cappuccino. <laughs> it's nice, but that's not the church. It's fun. I don't know. I, really, I love it. Let's do it. But that's not who we are. 
That's the things of, the, of, of it. But we are the church, and God wants us to build us up. That's why we're called faith builders, to build your faith, to build up the church, to take it and go into the communities. That's why we came up with a slogan, build faith, share faith. Build faith, share faith. We build it here, come on, our faith, and we go and share our faith. And faith could be a lot of things. It could be your testimony in Christ to somebody, or it could just be something you're working on in faith, and you share that with somebody else. So we receive so that we can give. We receive so that we can continue to give. Where? Not in here. We can help each other, and we should help each other. But more than that, we go into the highways and the byways. And Jesus is still building his church. He said, I will build my church. And he still builds his church today, just as he did 2,000 years ago. And his concept is and always will be team effort. The church was developed for a team to come together. The church is the team establishing the kingdom of God on earth. And this church, talking about faith builders now, is the team that God wants to establish his kingdom in Milwaukee, in the surrounding area. We've got our part to play. Jesus didn't work alone. What makes us think we're supposed to work alone? Well, I got this idea, I know. But maybe we bring that idea under some and then we work together with that gifting and something beautiful can come out of it because Jesus had the 500 people but then he also had a closer group of people that were 70 people but then he had a closer group of people that were 12 people then he had a closer group of people that were 3 people in other words he never worked by himself what makes us think we do church we do life alone we need each other we gotta have each other in Romans 16 I don't have time to read the whole chapter but in Romans 16 1 read it for yourself if you can because these names are tough to deal with it's actually pronounced but there are names 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 20 21, 22, 23, 24 there's 25, 26 names that are listed in that chapter all to which Paul is saying, please greet them with a kiss. Please tell them how much I love these people. Please tell them how, how grateful I am for their service of love, for their labor of love, for their gift of kindness, for their financial gift for taking care of me when I was in their city. Tell them how grateful I am that they sent word to so-and-so and it cost them money and time to go do it, but they did it for me in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because our names, 26 names or so, names mentioned there that most people forgot, but God never forgot their names. They weren't the great apostle Paul. They weren't Peter doing signs and wonders and miracles. But they were the work of the ministry, baby. They were doing what they were the nuts and bolts. They were the heart and soul of the ministry of that time. And God said, write their name down in my book. They'll never be forgotten. These were the heart and soul. You might almost you might say they were more important than Paul. I don't know how you can say that, but they're at least as important as Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, as important as Peter. Why? What's the point of getting revelation from God if you've got no conduit, nobody to pick it up and run with the message? Just blesses you? That don't save the world. Other people came by and worked and sweat and gave and, and did what they're supposed to do so they can lay a foundation for our generation. We'll never, maybe one day we'll be able to see them and thank them. These were the difference makers, not because of their talent. No talent's even listed here but because simply of their labor of love. They just rolled up their sleeves and said, whatever I got, if you can use it, I'd be willing to give what I can. When, when it's all said and done, all I, all I can say, church, is I want my name to be remembered. Not in the Bible, because it's already been written. I just want God to say, thank you, son. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. And Jeff, you did great. You did what you could. You blew it a few times, but you did overall. I want to I hear him say, well done. And maybe my name will never be known anywhere else, but that's all right. How many feel the same way? Let my name be known in heaven. I want my name to be remembered. And listen, God made you to function within his purpose. And, and he knows your name and the intimate details of your life. Over and over, Scripture records how much he knows you, even down to the very hair of your head. Let's look at Jeremiah 1, verse 1. This is what he speaks over Jeremiah, the prophet. He says, hey, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means intimate detail. Look, church, I don't know how this works, but I can tell you how, how I think it works. I do know one thing. The spirit is eternal. So if the Spirit's eternal, it means it has no beginning and it has no ending. That means inside of you is the Spirit is the spirit of Robbie. Inside of me is the Spirit of Jeff. Inside of you is the Spirit of Carol. In other words, God's saying, before you came, became a person in flesh and blood. I already knew you because you came from me and I'm eternal. God already dictated the purpose and the plan of your life. Bef let me just tell you, I haven't finished reading the verse yet. I'm too pumped up, but let me just tell you this. What did I, I got myself some coffee today or something going on. It's the socks. It's the socks. Something's going on here. But before, in other words, he's, you cannot get to this people planet without first having a functioning purpose. You're not here by accident. No way possible. Well, my parents never loved me. They may not, but your father does. Well, I was, I was a result of a rape. I understand that. But God knew even in that imperfect or terrible situation, you're supposed to be here. Before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Sanctify means set you apart. In other words, I have something for you. You, you over here. I got something for you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He knows your purpose. He knows the call of God. He knows where you're going to be born. Yeah, I know you wish you were born in Florida or California. I know you do, but you're born in good old Milwaukee. Hallelujah. Or at least you're here. But he knew why you were landed here in the first place. Praise God. He knows. He knows where you fit in his plan. And by the way, it's his plan we have to submit to. You are the church. And if God sent you to faith builders, there's got to be a purpose and a reason. You gotta, there's a place for you to fit here. I will say this. If it's not here, it's somewhere. If it's not faith builders, it's somewhere else. Because God always calls you to be with others. And that's called his body coming together as one. But if you are here and you are being fed, you've got to come to church. You know what? I don't want to just come to this church. I want to be a part of the church. I want to function in it. And we may not have all those answers solidified today, but in time as things pop up, you're going to go, that's what I'm supposed to do or that's what I should be doing. Let me make this statement. Again, you were never meant to do life alone. I need you and you need me. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. How many bodies are there? One. How many members? Many members. So look around this crowd right now, okay? Totally different talents all over the place. 
members, different type of uh, members here, okay? One could be the foot kind of a member, one the hand kind of member, so on and so forth, okay? So that's not the issue. The issue is coming together as one body, okay? For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Watch this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, here's the principle, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So can we at least deduce today that it does give God pleasure to put members together until they fit? We can say that, right? So we as Christians want to please God more than ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do. We want to please the Father. If it gives him pleasure to do so, then why don't we become obedient to allow him to set us in to the body as he sees fit? Maybe not as we see fit, but as he sees fit. Then it goes on and says, and if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, mo much rather those members of the body which seem to be weak or unnecessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those, or these rather, we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. How many has a baby toe? How many think, before I mentioned that, were you thinking about it just before I mentioned it? Was it a lot of you going, what's going on with my baby toe right now? What is happening with my baby? Were you even thinking about your, who was thinking about their baby toe 10 minutes ago? Who thought about it even yesterday? Come on. I know ladies like to do their toenails, but I mean, other than that, I got a baby toe, right? It looks like a little jelly bean. It's about this big. It's fat. It's got a little. It's small, right? I don't even think about. I never think about my baby toe until in the middle of the night. And you got to go to the bathroom. Come on, somebody. And it's dark in that room. And your wife moved the furniture around on you. Messed up your flow. Come on, somebody. And you smack your baby toe on the end of a table. How many knows that little baby toe you totally forgot about? You remembered. Hallelujah. And when you hit that toe, what happened? What happened? The whole body suffered. You honestly felt like you're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. I'm dying. I'm dying. The pain is just too much to bear. Am I being honest about it? What is it with that the toe? It's like a pain thing. When one feels something, when you're close and you're knit together, the whole body feels and experiences it. That's why you want to do life together because when you're in pain and you're out there by yourself, no one's going to know. Am I talking to somebody? But when we're all together, now we're together, there's accountability and there's a closeness and a kindredship and now then we're actually coming together and that thing's beginning to work. It works for us and it can work against. I Look, I've never seen my spleen. I'm not even sure I know where my spleen is, okay? I didn't take biology. I, I, I don't know. 
But I tell you one thing, I'm glad it's in there. I'm glad it's in there, and I'm glad it's doing what it's supposed to do. I'm glad I have a liver. Praise God, I got a liver. Amen. And it's doing what it's supposed to do. And guess what? My eyes are awesome. My eyes, to me, are the most important. I won't be able to see. I, like to, I want to see where I'm going. And I like to enjoy the colors and all that. That's wonderful, right? But God forbid, if I lost my eyes, I could still live. But if I lost my liver, I can't live without my liver. Someone say amen. Are you getting the point? I may not see it. It's what the Bible's saying. So don't think of it as lesser just because you can't see. And when there are members doing things that nobody else knows about, but God knows about, it's making the body work and function properly. Come on, somebody. They actually become greater than the parts everybody applauds normally. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm going to say this in closing because I have to. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body... One spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And Jesus, he himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What is the purpose of those people? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Look at me for just a second. That is called the five-fold ministry. Everybody say five-fold. Five You'll never forget this. There's an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are gifts that God gives to certain men that they preach and they do these things and they use their skills to equip the saints. Today, go and do the ministry, which is what? They do all the caring. Ministry means to care for one another and to care for the world. Care for the people that don't know Christ. So we're built up how? In faith. Faith builders. Built up in faith. We're doing what the Bible says till we all come into the unity of faith and into the knowledge of the Son of God. Now listen. Look at my hand right here. Okay? This is the representation of the fivefold ministry. So you have the teacher. The teacher is likened into the pinky. Pinky is known as the balancing finger. Even when you drink something, typically your, 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 your pinky will go up, especially when you're at a certain restaurant. Come on, somebody. Pinky goes up. Or when you're golfing or you're used, holding something, it's the balancing. Out of all the fingers, you'll feel the pressure come at the end. It balances everything off. Okay? Well, the teacher is the balancer. He balances the word of God. A teacher will come in here and preach one verse for 16 weeks. Because they're going to break it down, baby. They're going to, every word, lexicons, dictionaries. Um, they're going to pull out the Hebrew, Greek, Hebrew, all of it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Put together. And they're going to they're teach you so you have balance in your life and order. And then you've got the married finger. Okay? That's where we put the wedding ring on. And that's likened it to the pastor. Because he's married to the church. He has a covenant with the church. He deals with the people of the church. There's like a, it's like a marriage. And then you have the evangelist. You see my finger there, the middle one? That one is extended further than the rest of the fingers. It's longer, just like in your hand. It's longer than the rest of the fingers on your hand. That's the extension of the house of God. So the evangelist does what? Goes beyond the four walls of the church and wins the lost and takes care of the needy and all that stuff. They're a part of the church but they're an extension from the church. And then you've got the prophet. What's the prophet? Index finger or the pointing finger. The prophet comes in and says, this is wrong, this is right. Prophet pops up and says, don't go that way, 
go this way. It's the finger of God. And then you have the apostle, which is the thumb. The apostle has the ability to touch all the other areas of all the other ministries. That's how you liken the five-fold ministry. You'll never forget that. you never forget that. Well, God's called me to do that. And so as one of those ministers, my job is to equip you so that you're doing the work of the ministry, so that we're all doing it together. If you think we could do what we've done in 18 years with me and my wife alone, come on. People worked hard to get to this place. I mean, sacrifice time and money and their talents, and even they put their own stuff on hold. For what? So they can actually do what God, they felt God was calling us to do as a team in the earth. We are the team of God in the earth. We are the dream team, and the team work makes the dream work. And we all come together. Everything runs smoothly. I don't want us to be out of order and miss our opportunities. So much temptation will be to not even show up next week. I know how the devil works. Been doing this a long time. Make up your mind. I got to be a part of the body, man. I got a place to play. And if I don't have it right now, I know I will find it in time. It'll happen. Get involved in the growth track. Sign up for the growth track class. Many people are signed up this time. They're, they're loving it. They're enjoying it. It'll help you get to where your assignment is and all of that. But this is our year of alignment. But you must know who you are. You must know that it's not just a bunch of individual people, and you are. And God takes care of you where you're at. Don't, don't mistake that. But we're more than that. We're called to fit together, aren't we? We are. To be one body in Milwaukee. And if, the, if we can show Milwaukee anything is how a church really should operate. Not a bunch of bap, 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 talking about each other behind each other's back. And we let that nonsense, petty stuff go. We're never going to agree on everything, but we agree on enough. And that's all we need, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And believing that we're going we're to win this city for Jesus, that we can agree upon. Amen? Amen? Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today?